Blog Talk Radio. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, a talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Total Education Show. I'm the host of the show, Neil Haley. Go to my website, totaltutor.org, to find out more information on Total Education Network. We are now syndicated on 80-plus stations. Go to the website. Check it out. I also own a birth through college tutoring and consulting company. You can call me at 412-523-0289 for a free phone evaluation or a child. Really excited about my co-host, Jarrett, and kind of we didn't even touch base today. So I thought, again, we're finishing up the book. It's really close. My hope is a... a uh, launch in November. I've really put my mind into it this week, put a lot of time into this. We're ready. I mean, I almost have all the chapters ready. But one of them that I wanted to add is continue with the uh, high school and adulthood uh, section of this parenting, uh, parenting slash education book, Jared. And what I really wanted to talk about today, and it could be just a back and forth conversation. It's no big deal either way. If we go through this, is specifically enough when kids are ninth graders. I'm seeing a lot of times that boys aren't focused on their career. We've talked about before, I really want to focus today on the college-laden student. The student is going to go on to college, and uh, really their parents want them to make a decision, make a choice of where they want to go to school, all these specific things. And from what I've gathered, I have a different method than a lot of people. So I'm sure you're interested in hearing about it. Well, I'm very interested in hearing about it. You know, it, it's, I think the whole college prep at least as far as a, a parent is concerned, begins is is the day your child is born. I, I know when we adopted our son, one of the first things we did was um, start to invest in his college fund. Um, you know, through the various programs that are that are available. I mean, so it only makes sense that as your child is getting into those uh, middle school years and starting to enter high school, that you give it even more thought there. Exactly. So this is where I have a, a specific steps, but I want you to put your two cents in, especially as my co-host, to try to tell me if I'm on the right direction. One of the things a lot of parents do is about 10th grade is when they start to focus on colleges and what career to go to, specific things. Sometimes I think it's too late because you're really only one year away from taking the SAT developing that resume, putting together all the different things that are needed. So I thought, you know, let, let's kind of step back a second. Let's step back and say, let's talk about that ninth grade year. How can we get our kids to be more focused on what career they want? They, you know, they, they're really motivated in school, a lot of them. They do really well, but they have no idea what they want to do, Jared. Sure. I mean, that's a, you know, those teenage years, those early, early adolescent years are, are very confusing years. And, um, you know, all of us in this field know that children at that age, uh, young adults at that age almost, are really basing their decisions on their peer group. So um, a lot of those things that they want to be or choose as a career really are going to be reflective on, reflected by what their friends are doing. Exactly. So let's go to this. I think specifically enough in ninth grade is we really want to teach kids. If you're going to go on, you want to go on to four-year school, you have that dream. As Jarrett, you said your, your, you and your wife have that dream as my wife and I for all our children to go on to college. And that's where I, I kind of 
changed my whole thought process. I think everyone should shoot for the moon, which is college. And if they end up somewhere else, that's fine. At least you're putting that kind at least preparing anyone that wants to go to college can go to college. That's my big thing. My big thing is if we don't go and look at every kid that they can attend college even if they might not be able to, we're really already missing the boat on everything. But looking at this specifically enough, let's look at focusing on the child's interests. I recommend maybe writing down or even interviewing your your child and asking him, well, what do you asking him or her? What's your what do you really enjoy doing? What are your what are your, what are your focus, your interests? You know, there are a lot of good career tests out there, Jared, but thing I don't like about them is I would rather the parents really kind of interview. A lot of times we don't get the opportunity to talk with our kids. Well, yeah, it, that's exactly right. And I, I think the interview process, if should you take that approach as a parent, the interview process really begins with observation. You've had a chance to observe your child over, you know, decades, you know, well, decade and a half, and you're, you're able to know what your child's interests are, uh, particularly if you've been an, an involved and involved parent. But this is where, through observation, you know, I would open the conversation with, I've noticed you seem to really like, and then fill in the gaps with that. Um, or I've noticed that you and your friends really seem to, and then fill in the gaps. You know, that now becomes, I think, the basis for your interview. But I I totally agree with you. The interview is a perfect opportunity to start to to find your child's interest and and use those interests to guide them. And then instead of you going and asking the high school guidance counselor, they have too much. Their job is to specifically track kids. I'm sorry to say this, guys, and and ultimately follow the rules. I feel bad for every guidance counselor in in high schools because they're they're forced into lots of things that they wish they could do, which is therapy, which is teaching, which is doing right. all these things, and all they're forced to do is do what exactly that high school wants them to do by managing thousands of kids to make sure that they can go on and take the courses they're supposed to take and provide sources, but just through high school, not the college process. They kind of give a little bit of an understanding. If you follow through, you can get into specific things. So I say focusing on interests. Once you see interests, another recommendation, mom and dad, if they both work, if just is to have, have their daughter or son come to work with them. Show them what their job is like. Explain what their job is like. And and then I guess in that interview process, Jared, ask them, do you really do you really like what you're doing? Would you want to do what dad's doing? Do you want to take on dad's business? No, I'm just saying you see how unhappy your parents are going to work in this field every day? Is this the same mistake you want to make? <laughs> so so that's that's a that's a key. And then this is one thing I get really frustrated at parents all over the place is, you know, a kid, oh, that's that's a career they might not make it in. You know what? Allow them to discover. Allow them to reach out. If it's a good career, nothing that's immoral, I have no problem with it. Go ahead and do it. So looking at specifically, first of all, their strengths. What are they good at? So let's just talk about it if uh, your mom and dad are teachers, but your son or daughter just doesn't have any patience. Maybe that's not the field for them, but you see they're very, they, they are very good with detail. I think jotting these things down and maybe even plugging them into your own career service 
type test based on what you know your child's interests are is better than telling them, okay, Johnny, get on the computer right now. We'll find out what your career is. Right, and I, I think what you're, you're really kind of saying here, and you can uh, correct me if I'm kind of off base here, I think what you're really kind of saying to the, the, our listeners here is to take some time, um, you know, look at what your child likes to do, and be supportive. You know, certainly as your role as a parent is to guide. I mean, if you think that the career choices is, you know, really out of line, for instance, you know, I totally expected that I played shortstop for the Pittsburgh Pirates when I was in ninth grade. Um, you know, I needed some gentle guidance to guidance to let me know that I probably want to have some backup options. <laughs> you know, so um, you know that's what a parent does. You, you know, I see that you really think that medicine is going to be your calling, um, but you kind of faint whenever there's blood. You know, we might want to consider. <laughs> Some other <laughs> options. Exactly. Uh, and and um, I and I wouldn't rule things out either. And so that the first thing is kind of I guess taking that survey. And like I said before, there's a long process and I think it's perfect because we need these final chapters to our books finished and we don't have enough in the high school college end. So I want to kind of go on my career uh path, but let's continue for after that. After you get that understanding and you kind of interview them about what their interests are. You go with them and say, so what do you think you want to be when you grow up? It, it's, it's, it might sound very passe. It might sound really, oh, come on. You'll hear what your son or daughter says. Uh, I don't know. And I'm telling you, Jared, I'm interviewing all these kids that are I tutor in high school now in the summer. I don't know what I want to do. Or one says I want to go to med school. Hey, that's fine. But you're not studying enough. <laughs> you better yeah, that's exactly right. you, you, you bet you better get you better get your act together now and get things together. So first of all, after that, ask them. After we kind of put together something, figure out where their interests are, figure out where their passion is. This is what I get sick and tired of. I'd rather people be passionate about the job they do than go work for a job that they hate. That's my that's my opinion. That's what leads to depression. That leads to working for the weekend and forget about anything else and specifically just a paycheck, but not the 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 I guess the belief of how a good hard working job is and how you enjoy it. If you don't have passion in what you're doing, find something else. And this is for adults out there as well. Uh, absolutely right. I mean what you're what you're describing is fulfillment. And um, you know, I, I think we look for that at the earliest stages. You know, I've seen it with young young children, infants, who are seeking fulfillment. Theirs is usually around nutrition, um, but they're looking for a need to be fulfilled. And that's exactly what you're saying for a middle school child, a, a, a young adult entering college, and even an adult. So what's amazing now is you'll think, okay, after we figure this out, we kind of see, okay, these are the areas I want to go into. Either parents are going to have to be not helicopter but come up with this because there's some boys and some girls that don't care at all. Well, sorry, you don't just give up on them and say, oh, you'll figure it out someday. They're the ones that you're going to have a headache when they're trying to fill out their, their college application as a senior. You kind of have to nudge a little bit. You kind of have to guide a little bit. That I, I can't stand. Well, well, they'll make that decision. 
Oh, so you're going to bust them their humps, make sure they study so hard. Then senior year comes. They have no idea what they're going to go. They come in undecided. Hint, hint, was me. Uh, that, that, that was a mistake. You, you have an idea of what you want to do. And then after you kind of figured out, okay, here's the schools I want to go to, this is what I want to major, and that's going to be for our next segment next week. Once you get to that point, you're ready to think about specifically enough uh, – Having your child, your your son or daughter, your teenager, research these schools, figure out what their GPA should be to get in, figure out what extracurricular activities they need to take, so that you really are creating that game plan in high school. And this is only in ninth grade. This is a little different, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I, I think that you know perhaps if if high schools operated kind of within that mode that you're describing, guidance counselors would get to know students earlier. They wouldn't be looking at 11th grade and trying to just look at a child's, a student's transcript and trying to determine what school they should be going, whether they should be going to any school. This process started in ninth grade when the when the student was entering high school. I think it would be a, a much better a way of, of managing students and, and helping them, doing just what that guy, what that that job description says, and offer guidance. All right. Well, I can't believe how quickly our, our segment goes, and I, I'm looking forward to it. It's kind of funny. Last week's show, because, again, we're recording, it was just back-to-back you and I. Hey, that's just what happens sometimes. Uh, specifically enough, I get these celebrities on, but they don't want to talk education, so they go on the Spotlight Show. Hey, that's fine. And we'll talk about your book. We'll talk about whatever. But when it comes to real education and helps and tips and telling people about great uh, charity causes, this is what the Toll Education Show, the half-hour, 30-minute show is all about. So I appreciate you calling, Jerry, and this is all setting up for our book. I'm getting so excited. November, I'm pushing for the launch date. I want to have it out before the Miami Book Fair. So thanks again for calling. It would be fantastic to go out there and and hopefully get a table if we don't attend it and make sure that the e-book's out there. So I appreciate you calling, Jerry, and we'll definitely be in touch, okay? All right, very good. All right, take care. All right, that was Jarrett. You're listening to the Education Show on the Toll Education Network, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Toll Education Show on the Toll Education Network. Remember, go to my website, TotalTour.org, for more information. Always like having conversation with Jarrett, but now I want to welcome the program Joanne Herring from Charlie Wilson's War, the whole story. When you're saying an education show, we're going to talk about to Joanne, but you'll see why. Joanne, thanks for calling. Neil, thank you for having me. This is terribly important because the real hope of the world, as you well know, that's why you're doing this program, is education. Exactly. And Joanne is doing so many tremendous things. The first time I had her on, I guess we're just learning about especially what's happening in Afghanistan. But we're going to focus on education in Afghanistan. And Joanne, this is like one of the biggest, I guess, my new uh, my new uh, things is I before was just looking at myself as a national show. Then I get picked up the UK, Jamaica, all these different places, and we're heard in 180 countries now. Now I'm looking at us as an international show. And when I see the education systems in other countries that, you know, are just so horrible. I want to help make a difference. And I hope by bringing people like you on to tell us what's going on in Afghanistan and how we need to support you, but also support every developing country's education programs and to say, you know what, education is the most important thing. And isn't that true, Joanne? Thank you, Neil. Here is the problem with America. 
they don't understand, for instance, countries like Pakistan, countries like Afghanistan, uh, a great many other of these developing countries have a high, high rate of illiteracy among the adults. Eighty percent in Afghanistan of the people can't read and write. In America, so often, we go to these countries and we say, wonderful, we're going to start educating them the good old American way. Now, that would be just fine if they had a first or second grade education, wow. which sometimes the countries do. But if you don't even know your ABCs, you can't teach them the American way. You've got to understand the culture of the country and the mentality and how they operate and operate within that system or you're never going to be able to educate them. For instance, in many of these Middle Eastern countries, and not just Middle Eastern, but developing countries everywhere, children are viewed as members of the family to help support the family. They are expected to work. Now, what they do is perhaps if their father is a carpenter, they are a carpenter's helper, or they tend the sheep, or they, they do something that brings in revenue. For them to take time off from this job, and go to school doesn't seem to a family that has hardly enough to eat worthwhile. First, they want to eat. And so to get them into school, of course, there are always many people who are just groveling to get to school. But let's talk about the preponderance of the people that we're trying to help. We have to show them that there's going to be a reward for what the giving up the labor this child has been doing or that they have been doing in order to learn. So right now in Afghanistan, we do have a great many schools uh, going, and they're, and they're wonderful. Our, our particular village is all, it, it, I think I told you before, we have five points to our program, which is food, water, education, health care, and jobs. And this is the first time it's ever been done anywhere. But it's working, and the Taliban are coming out of the hills, joining us and telling us we only joined the Taliban because they paid us $5 a day, and our family didn't have enough to eat. Oh if we can get a job somewhere, then we'll, we don't want to shoot at anybody. But we have to have enough to eat. Okay, so we say, all right, how can we educate you and help you make money at the same time? Because we realize you have to feed your family. So we've now got a new program where we're going to utilize the equipment that is going to be left in Afghanistan when we leave. In other words, it is too expensive to ship it home. It's used equipment. So the best thing to do is to leave it in the country. Now, what is the equipment? Trucks, bulldozers, forklifts, cranes, all those sorts of things that the Army and the military have been using. Now, at this point, they are by law being given to the government which is like putting them down in a black hole because the government's corrupt and right. they're going to sell them off. So what we're trying to do now is to give them to the people. So if each family 
that could possibly learn to drive a truck, and anybody can drive a truck. You don't have to be able to read. But as you're learning to drive the truck, you can learn to read. And think how exciting that would be. First, they already they have something. For the first time in their whole lives, they actually own something that can make them some money. And while, as I said, they're being taught to drive the truck, they are being taught very subtly to read and write. And later on, they'll then have the incentive to continue their education which in our village, what we do, we teach the kids in the daytime and we teach the family at night. And so, and that means women too, of course. But you see, if we're successful with this truck program, which is not going to cost the U.S. a single dime because the stuff is already over there, they're not going to bring it home. It's, as I said, it's not economically feasible to bring it home. So we're not wasting a single tax dollar. We're just using the stuff that's going to stay over there, but getting it into the hands of the people who can then support themselves, at which point they quit the Taliban. And if you think that if Afghanistan has a, or any Afghan has a truck and he's going to let the Taliban come into his village and get his truck, he'll fight to the death. This is the one country in the world where this could really start and happen because the Afghans will fight no matter what. No one on earth has ever conquered the Afghans because they'll fight to the last baby. But you got to give them something to fight for. At this point, they've been at war for 40 years, oh and God. they are so sick of war and a torn-up country that they'll take anything. That's why it is so important for us to leave them with jobs and hope and education because otherwise they'll t have to take what the Taliban has. Why is that important to you and me in the United States? We're half a world away. The people who blew up 9-11 were trained in Afghanistan. If it again becomes a training ground for terrorists, no church, no stadium, no school will be safe in the USA. Oh, my. Well, I, I, I want to really touch base on a little bit more of the program because, again, we won't have a lot of time, but we could have part two of this uh, uh, saga discuss this because what I think that we're doing differently is we're kind of getting them educated by training. Training teaches them to read. Am I correct, Joanne? By training That's them right. to now, drive the, the trucks. Yes. The train this is the adults. Yes. They're usually ready to let the children go to school in many parts, but many of them don't. But you see, if they see that they are learning and and earning, then they'll help. They'll be able to allow the children to give up having to help they earn money to support the family, and let them go to school. If it's in one of those areas that are so far removed from civilization that they haven't gotten to the point of really recognizing the value of education, most of them do. But we still have that problem and as you pointed out this is the only answer for peace in the world because when people own something and have some hope and something of value and they can read and write it's thus they can form a middle class you see in these countries right now they can't sustain democracy because they're not educated 
and there's no hope for any country to sustain democracy without a middle class. And the only way to develop a middle class is through education. That's why what has happened in Egypt is so tragic. It, it was when Mubarak was removed, it was they, they were removed by students and knowledgeable people. But the, the Egyptian Brotherhood has taken over. Exactly. And uh, so it's it's a situation where the education is the key. And let's kind of go, when I was saying, and how they're doing this. Let's just say, okay, now we're going to give you trucks, but we've got to train you to be able to use those trucks. A lot of times the Afghanistan people are illiterate. They can't read. So how do the people that are helping at the village train them to understand how to read while training them to use these vehicles? Well, you see, they, it just happens naturally. Yeah. You see, you'll, you'll start saying, now, you get to a certain point of driving the truck, and then you have to learn the manual, you know, of, of what you do when something happens to the truck. And, of course, we're so excited about having maintenance, having dispatchers, having places where you buy parts, because all of that creates businesses. And all those businesses are the foundation of a middle class. And also, they're jobs for women. In every aspect of that, women make good automobile mechanics. They're fine dispatchers. They can, they can even own a store where they sell parts. And many of them can drive trucks. So uh, it, it's, it's not a job that's just for men. And once you have the truck, then you have to learn to read. But while you're learning to drive the truck, they can subtly teach them little by little the, the rudiments. You know, I won't go into exactly how you do it, but it, it just happens. As you learn one thing, you learn other things, and, and you must learn them in order to maintain that truck, you see. So it's going to happen. So definitely I want to go into this, the adult education, which is an absolute missing uh, component. And it's, it's, you've got to be commended for your work in Afghanistan and to help because education is such the key. And you talked about the areas in our last interview, but I thought I wanted to bring you back just to talk specifically about this and to bring you out in the, a large, large audience to learn about what Joanne Herring's doing. I mean, we talked about Charlie Wilson's War before. We talked about all these cool things, but this is really focusing on what my passion is, is education. So if the, if the adults are educated, if they learn to read, they're more likely to reinforce their kids that are going to school during the day to practice, right, to, to work with them if they're learning to, right? That's your whole goal. Now, Neil, but the exciting part about it is if you educate the adults, that will change the country in a couple of years. Yes. Otherwise, with kids, it's going to take, what, 10 years before you're going to have those kids really educated. At this point, in many of those countries, just getting them to the second or third grade is, is sometimes all they get. But they can, they can operate with the second or third grade education if they have to. They can because you, you can manage to make a living. But we're trying, of course, to, to expand that and take them into junior high school and hopefully high school. Just finding a few girls that had a high school education, we were going to train them to maintain hospital equipment 
and there was a, an NGO, a nonprofit organization, who is going to train them. Because you see right now what happens, and this is happening in Haiti and everywhere, they give them their hospital equipment, but because they can't maintain it, in a couple of months it becomes a doorstop. Right. And our crazy country, do you know what they do? They give them an MRI in Haiti, and they ask them, what do you do when the MRI breaks down? They say, oh, we just throw it out, and they bring us a new one. Oh, my gosh. Well, I can't believe we're running out of time, but we want to find information on how anyone, everyone can go out and support your cause. Where can we uh, go ahead and do that? Oh, that'd be absolutely wonderful. The Marshall Plan for Afghanistan. We have a really crummy website, but it, but we don't want to spend money on anything but what's happening in Afghanistan because every penny that we spend on a website or anything like that takes away from the operation of what we're doing in our vocational schools. So if anybody wants to contribute to the Marshall Plan for Afghanistan, it is online and it tells you how to just send the money to the Marshall Plan for Afghanistan, and we'll bless you as long as we live. And believe me, every penny it means so much. Every penny does so. You can't imagine how little it costs to run these things, but they have to be kept running. So God bless you, Neil, and anybody listening that would care to join us. All right. Thanks a lot, Joanne, for calling the program. We'll definitely have you back for more about the education, especially how you're educating the young younger people. So thanks for calling. Thank you, Neil. All right. Take care. All right. That was Joanne Herring. You're listening to Education Show on the Toll Education Network. We'll be back in just a moment. 